0: So today we're wrapping up our series called Weird Like Us, where we have been giving you the opportunity to be a bunch of weirdos, uh, contrasting the ideas of giving, uh, which all of you do, and you do very well, with being generous. And all of you, um, you give. That's nothing new to you. It's been part of your life, and and you are are very good at it. So thank you for that. And you understand the importance of giving. But sometimes what we don't understand is the the idea of generosity, generosity. If someone doesn't show us what that means, we can sort of self-define. Giving and being generous are two very different things. Not mutually exclusive, but different. So we're doing training right now on how to be generous. And that sounds a little bit offensive, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right up front. I know that. I know that the way I'm phrasing this might be offensive to you. To say that I want to teach you, well, you could take that the wrong way. You, you could take that in a way that is, is condemning, and that's not the message at all. But the reality is that most North Americans do not know how to be generous. And it's not because they're bad people. It's just because no one ever taught them. How? And it was always just assumed that, that they knew. Well, you, you know. You should. You ought. You do. It's just part of the undercurrent of our culture. And we know how to give and how to respond to a, a plea for assistance. But those random acts of giving, that's what they are. And random acts of giving are fantastic. Um, but they're not the same as being generous. We are talking about a life, the entire life, built around generosity. Generosity is a keystone habit. That means that it's at the top. And as things trickle down, they trickle down through that and it starts to impact many, many areas of your life, maybe the entire rest of your life. So what we're doing right now, this is not a do thing. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm trying to help you be something. And to make this very, very clear, I am not wanting something from you. I want something for you. Generosity is more than just random acts of giving. Generous people have a plan And here's the generosity promise that we started with at the very beginning. When you become generous, you will give more, save more, and consume less. We talked about the consume less part last time. Do you remember the nutso cycle? We went through it piece by piece all the way around. You can learn this generosity thing, or you can stay living on the nutso cycle. Most people in the West... Do I have the nutso cycle there? Should I put that in? Is it right there now? Most people in the West live in this world. This is what makes sense. This is what everybody around them does. This is just what you do without thinking. We worry, 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 worry about money. Are we going to be able to send the kids to university? Will I ever be able to buy a home? Can I afford to get married? We worry, worry worry and then to make us feel better to deal with the worry we lose our minds and we go off and we spend everything that we have or more and then we have debt and and then once you discover that you've got debt you discover you've got no financial margin And, and then when we do all that we find that we have given ourselves something to worry about and so the cycle begins again And it begins again. And it goes on and on like that. And we get so worried about being in this cycle that we discover the only way that we know how to relieve our stress is to go to the mall and get ourselves a little something to feel a little bit better about this mess that we're somehow in. Have you ever done that? Don't answer. At the mall or the place that you like to go to shop, we found a great deal. And so we spend everything that we have and sometimes beyond what we have with credit, and we discover that we have created debt. We did it again. Looking at all that debt, we see, we understand now, I've got no financial margin. I've got no, no wiggle room. I've got no extra money. And when something happens that was unexpected, we really feel the pinch And when you have that, you get that nasty reality that sort of stares you in the face and you discover it right in front of you. Do you know what that is? That's right. It's something to worry about. And the cycle continues. See, oh, that's horrid. I can't believe what's going on. You know what I need to do? I need to go out and buy a fishing boat so I can let off some of the stress that I'm feeling Right? And we do that, and somebody will sell it to you in that same way. Fishing. I need to deal with the stress. So consequently, we worry, but what we worry about is future consumption. We consume more than we can afford, we carry consumer debt, and we don't have any margin for future consumption. When we realize that, that causes us to worry. It causes us to worry about future consumption. I won't be able to get what I want. And so to deal with our worry, the cycle goes on and on. And We go round and round and round and we look at each other and we convince ourselves, you wouldn't believe, I know things are extra tight right now. What we have, you have it too. We've got a money problem. And now the vast, vast majority, not everyone, but the vast, vast majority of us do not have a money problem. Instead, what we have are three different problems. We have a self-control problem. We have a contentment problem. And we have a discipline problem. And if you're a Jesus follower, well, if if you're not a Jesus follower, th- this won't make sense to you in the same way. And that's okay. You don't have to worry about that. This one, the next one, is for Jesus followers and Jesus followers only. And, and if that's you, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, then Jesus would say, What you've got, you have a spiritual problem. Because if you worry, worry, worried all the time. <coughs> It's because you've placed your trust in riches and not in the God who richly provides. We are not identifying problems today to bring about guilt or shame. We will have none of that. We are not here to should all over you, okay? We are not here about shame or guilt. We are here to identify issues for the purpose of bringing about freedom, How can you be free from something if you can't identify it as a problem? You keep mislabeling it. You say it's a money problem, but that's not the issue. How can we set you free? This lifestyle that we're talking about, it's not so. We see ourselves as owners and consumers. And Jesus said there's a very different way to live. It's the way of generosity. And it's where you're going to reset all of your life around the principles of generosity generous people do not assume it's theirs to consume and that's about where we left off last week that's the shift in thinking that makes all the difference in the world generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume they have rejected the consumption assumption most people live and they think with this all the time if it comes to me it must be for me and jesus said no Just because it comes to you doesn't make it for you. And if you assume it's for you, then you will live your entire life as an owner or a consumer. And the hard part to get our heads around, it's really an identity issue. You are better than that. You're more than a consumer. You're more than even an owner. You are made in the very image of God himself. Don't settle for what somebody else is trying to sell you. You are not here to just survive. You are here to thrive in this life. And I didn't say you're here to be rich. I said to thrive. Thriving is about so much more than just cash in your pocket. But learning to be generous will also impact your cash flow. Ownership is a myth. And living as a consumer always leads to the same place. You are always discontent. No matter how new and shiny the thing is that you just got today, there is a newer and a shinier thing waiting for you tomorrow. Living like a consumer, no matter how much money you have, positions you always on the brink of discontentment. And you will ride that cycle around it, again and again. And especially if you've never seen the cycle, you never stop to think about the cycle, and you misidentify the problems that are in there. It's a money problem. I need more money. As long as you keep seeing that, you're going to live in that cycle and be discontent. (laughs) But if you want to break the nutso cycle, you break it by reordering and reprioritizing your finances. You don't break out of this cycle by making more money. That's part of the lie raises just keep you on the cycle but with more money generosity is the offering so we're not just interested in in discussing some sort of airy fairy spirituality that never comes in contact with the rest of the real world we want to train you to allow christ to reign in all of your life so that he can be the lord of all of your life jesus brings freedom The not-so-cycle brings bondage, and we want you to be free. In Jesus' name, we want freedom for you and for your family. And sadly, money is a tremendously big liar, and it's a tremendous distraction from living the Christ life. Now, I didn't say throw all your money away or give it all to me. I said learn to reprioritize and manage your finances. And generosity is the gateway. This is another one of those parts of the the upside-down kingdom. Um, It seems counterintuitive, and it is. The way of Jesus is not the way of the world around you. The way of Jesus seems weird. But remember, not so is normal. We're going to learn to reorder our lives around generosity instead of consumption. And here's a simple tip, okay? It is usually moving the thing that is last on the list and moving it to the top. So let's look at that by going back into our definition that we made of generosity, okay? Generosity is the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets premeditated we're going to talk about this one calculated we're going to talk about that one designated we're going to talk about that one emancipation you're going to set it free and as you do that you learn to put yourself in a place of freedom also generous people understand that just because it comes to me doesn't mean it's for me that's how generous people live Okay, so let's jump in on the first word, premeditated. Generosity requires a plan. And some of you, some of you might say right away, but I'm not a planner. You know what? (laughs) Frankly, I'm tired of other people's plans. They're always talking, I got a plan for this and I got a plan for that. And they're so restrictive. I just like to be free. I'll do with my money what I want. So if you're a non-planner, this is is just for you. I'm going to tell you something that's true. You do have a plan. You just don't know what it is. If you have financial habits, and you have financial habits, you have a plan. You've just never written it down. And you've never seen it put beside your other financial habits to see how they come together. So if someone was going to follow you around for a while, and they'd record all of what you do, all of your dealings, where you go, how you spend, they would see your financial habits. They could collect them all for you and they could write them down, group them together, maybe even alphabetize them, type them up, give it to you and say, here, hey, did you know this is your financial plan? And you'd say, hey, that is what I do. Everybody has a plan. Many of you, I love you. This is why we're doing this series. Many of you, this is going to hurt a little bit again. Many of you have a plan and it's a bad plan and if you don't know what your plan is it's probably a bad plan because when think about this when has your behavior ever accidentally drifted in a good direction you plan towards what is good you drift towards what is bad that's just the way we work Your your financial habits are your plan. You are working a plan and you are probably reasonably committed to your plan. You just haven't written it down. You haven't seen what it looks like. So if you've never written it down and you're living with the assumption that it's um, all for your consumption, then let me give you a quick picture of what your plan might look like in broad strokes. Consume it, save if I can, give what's left over. That's the quick version of the plan. See, it's not complicated at all, right? Consume pretty much everything that I get, everything that comes to me, I've got to spend. And then you might say something like this, you know what the best way for me to save is? (laughs) If I never see it, then I can save it. So if I can get a plan or an employer who will save money for me, if I never see it, I won't spend it. Close your eyes for a moment. Think about that. If I don't see it, I won't spend it. That's not a compliment to you. That puts you in the midst of the the nutso cycle. That means that you lack self-control and you lack discipline. Having your employer take it out for you does nothing to help you ensure that you don't spend everything that does come to you. That means you're living under the consumption assumption and you might still accidentally save money because you never see it. So even if you are fortunate enough to work for a company that saves money for you, your plan remains to consume everything I can. Try to save something and give if there's anything left over. That turns you into a 3S giver. You're spontaneous. You're sporadic, and you're sparing. If I'm guilted enough, or if I'm inspired enough, then I can do it. I can give. A little here, a little there. You know what? Let's just wait and see what happens, all right? But generous people have a plan, and they know what their plan is. Do you know what you could do? Every time you decide to write a check, to the church, or to a charitable agency, or a mission partner, or wherever it is that you choose to send your support money. On every check, you could write on it in that comment line, I have a plan. Remind yourself that your giving is part of your intentional, on purpose, joyful plan. Do you think that might help you feel better about what you're doing? Do you think that it might help the place that you're sending or giving your money to? Let them know, you are part of my plan. This is not just money today because I felt good. This is part of a premeditated, loving plan. I'm in it with you. If I'm going to be generous, I can't just give when... when when it's the right time. Or I can't just give when I feel good. I can't just give when it it seemed important. I can't just do that if I'm always trying to give from something that I have left over. I need a plan. If you're going to be generous, you need a plan. Okay, on to calculated. That means that you need to decide ahead of time how much. Generosity requires a specific percentage Life is so much easier when you know ahead of time what you're going to give and what percentage. Percentage is better than amount because it can flux with changing circumstances. So as you begin to make more money, you can just step in and give more. It's just part of your habit. Now, to make this even easier for you, I wanted to challenge you to do what generous people do. Give it before you can consume it. The key to generosity isn't giving more. The key to generosity isn't just having a plan. The key to generosity is reordering, reprioritizing your finances. So what was last, if I have anything left over, I'll give some of that. Now that goes first. First thing, when money comes in, top of the list, most important, let it reshape the way you live. Let it reshape the way you think. Let it reshape the way you think. Let it reshape your trust in God. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest. Turn the whole thing upside down. And do you know what's super awesome about that? That, no, that makes you no longer a 3S giver. Now you can be a 3P giver. And who doesn't want to be a 3P giver? I mean, that's awesome, right? Percentage priority, give it first. Whenever I get my check, my tips, my bonus, my windfall, my commission, I give first, right out of the top. I take it out and I'm progressive. Even if you have to take a baby step, okay? This whole giving thing kind of scares me. Never done it before. I'm not committed to doing that. So I'm going to start at 2%, okay? Or I'm going to start at 5%. Or, or maybe 7.38% because you're smarter than I am. Then over time, you just learn how to bump up your percentage as your trust and your faith grow. You can be generous by choosing a percentage, giving it first, putting it at the top of the list, making it your first priority rather than your last. Then over time, you increase it. Now, are you ready for the fun part? You want the fun part, right? Let's put the fun back in funding, all right? Generous people are all about the premeditated, calculated, and now designated. That means that you choose ahead of time where this is all going to go. So some of you don't like to give... Because it feels like people are always asking you for money and they're asking for money and they're calling on the phone and your rich uncle in uh, Ivory Coast just died and all you have to do is pay a little bit and then you'll get this back. People are always asking you for money, 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 money and you go, oh, enough already. Generous people don't feel guilty about saying no. I didn't say shouting no okay shouting is still wrong but you can still say no generous people can say no because they have already decided where the yes is so now do you want to know where to give your money this is the place you've all been waiting for right all along we've been waiting for this kind of moment graham is going to tell us where to put the money which account do you want it in graham right it's not for me all right I'll tell you where Jesus says to put your money. Matthew 6, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's fascinating. Remember, everything that we've just gone over in the last three weeks, talking about this, treasure, relationship to our heart, the cycle, the not so cycle, worry, what it puts our mind on, what's the connection here? Now, I'm not sure, but I think I might have mentioned to you before already that you should really read what Jesus said. Did I tell you that? I think I've told you that before. The best thing is that you don't have to believe the entire Bible to learn from what Jesus taught. It's a great starting point. So when he taught, he did some good teaching. Human nature has not changed since he was teaching. Fashion has changed since he was teaching, but not human nature. But you know what? Even check that out. That whole beard thing, coming back again, right? I don't know if it's going to go quite that far, but beards are back. But Jesus has brilliant insight. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Which means wherever you're sending your money, part of your heart is there. It also means That if you want to change where your heart is, you can change the direction of your money. It works both ways. Think about that again. You want to change your heart, change the direction of your money. So this is how you're going to put the fun in funding. This is how you can put some feeling in your finances. And this is how you can connect your money and your heart pre-decide where you're going to give. So when everybody comes after you for the rest of your life saying, can you give, can you give, you can feel okay about saying no because you are already being generous. You can say no because you've already said yes. You're welcome to do random acts of, of, of giving also. In, in fact, you should. I do. I'm glad I do. It's not about one or the other. It's about what comes first and what does your lifestyle look like. So what makes you generous is that you have pre-decided. You have a plan. You have picked a percentage. You give first, and you picked ahead of time where you're going to give. One way to think about this is, saving is how you say yes to you. Generosity is how you say yes to what's important to you. We've all been in this situation. You become aware of something that really captures your heart. Something that you really appreciate. Oh, I wish I could do more, right? The reason that you can't do more is because you didn't plan to do more. It's not a money problem, right? But we're working on fixing that one. It's not a money problem. It's a self-control problem. It's a contentment problem. It's a discipline problem. It's a debt problem. But when you become a generous person, you are going to um, move towards solving those other problems all in one package. So here's how to choose where to give. Choosing your designation. Give from a grateful heart and a broken heart. Jesus taught us that our heart and our money, our heart and our money are linked. That's why we struggle so frequently to stay focused on God. Because we have linked our hearts to so many other things besides God. So, what are you grateful for? And what are you broken over? Decide ahead ahead of time that you will fund the things that you are grateful for. I'm also gonna fund or support that group that meets the need of that thing that breaks my heart. So, you've got a plan. You're going to pick a percentage, you're going to give it first, not last, and you're going to decide ahead of time where that money is going. So this is why anybody who loves their local church should give to their local church. And if you don't love your local church, then find one that you love. Then give to support it because you are so grateful for it. What are you grateful for? Have you even ever said it to yourself? Have you acknowledged, I'm grateful for this? It's hard sometimes to practice being grateful, but when you're talking to just yourself, at least you can be honest. What is it that you appreciate? I'm thankful for what? Now, in addition to your local church, you should pick something that resonates with what you care about. Maybe it focuses on a specific country or a specific project, or the general concept of the international mission, or a specific ministry person, or or a team, or, or a specific issue. What is it that breaks your heart? Find something that breaks your heart, and then do something to support the mission of meeting those needs. We don't need more money. We need a culture of generosity. The center of religious life for Jesus and for ancient Jews was the temple, okay? The temple had a really cool thing called the temple tax. So they didn't take an offering at temple, and the Jews were taxed by the Romans, but they taxed by the the temple as well, and that money went to the temple, and that temple money went to the community. All over the ancient world, no matter where they lived, no matter how far away from the temple geographically that they were, they, they would send their money back to Jerusalem to support the temple. They did it so well, and there was so much money being sent that certain Roman provinces actually tried to prevent, to put in laws to prevent the Jews from supporting the temple because too much money was leaving the local economy. In the first century, the Apostle Paul ran into this situation. And as he was planting churches all over the Mediterranean Rim, can you show me the map, please? Okay, so you look here. You've got Jerusalem down in the corner over here. Uh, look for the places that Paul planted churches, okay? Because he went all over the place. So you've got Jerusalem down here. He was from Tarsus. But you've got Colossae. Colossians, right? Ephesus. That's Ephesians. And then you've got Corinth. Yeah, you're very good. Thessalonica. Yeah, see? You're amazing. Philippi. Amazing. Way over there is Rome. Down under here, you've got Egypt. And, and uh, down over there is Libya. But the flashpoint for Christianity, the, the first place where it all came together was Jerusalem. That's where Jesus came a bunch. Um, that's where he was crucified. That's where the apostles did a lot of their teaching. That's where Jesus rose from the dead. That's where the apostles came back together, got together, went out to do the teaching, right? The spreading of the gospel started in Jerusalem. Over the time, the church was in Jerusalem. It became persecuted. Christians couldn't get jobs. They were having their property seized. They were getting thrown in jail. They were outcast from society because they didn't fall under the temple system. And so they were impoverished. So Paul, as he's going around to all these churches that he's planting, he understands the problem. The temple system will not support the new Christians. Somebody needs to help. So as he's going around to these uh, other new churches that he's setting up, he's telling them, support the Christians who are suffering in Jerusalem. The Christians all around Europe are very grateful for what the Christians of Jerusalem had done. Because they were the eyewitnesses. They were the ones who saw the story happen amongst them. They were the first people to say, yes, we're going to be doing this. They were the first people to risk. And they were the first ones to make sure that the good news got sent out so that the churches in Europe could actually hear so these new Christians in Europe were grateful for what the first Christians in Jerusalem had done. And they were broken hearted for what they were suffering under at that time. So the Apostle Paul writes in one of his letters to the church in Corinth how to deal with this whole money collection thing. And I want to read it to you just in case you think I just make all this sort of stuff up. This is the very first mention of the activity of churches collecting money. Here is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Paul's writing to a church in Corinth saying, look, I'm basically telling everybody the same thing, all right? I'm going to tell you exactly what I told the church just down the road in Galatia. Um, I told the guys in Ephesians, probably Rome too. Here's how the churches should handle this whole money thing, okay? Remember, at this time, there's no checking account. There's no online or text to give. There's no direct Debit, there's no regular mail service. If you've got money, you keep it in a hole in the back room of your house. And when you got paid, you'd be paid in real hard currency gold coins, silver coins, half a coin. And you would put that physical stuff somewhere and hide it to keep it safe. So here's what the Apostle Paul said to the Christians about money. Verse 2 On the first day, which is Sunday, of every week, Each one of you should set aside a sum of money. Each of you, every week, needs to have a plan. How do we give? Do we just wait and see how the Spirit leads? No. Do we wait and see if the message was good enough today? No. You need to have a premeditated, calculated plan. Every Sunday, when you start the week, the beginning of the week, not the end of the week, not after the week is done, not after everything else has been spent, the first of the week, right off the top, before the other expenses, set some aside. Put it in a jar. Put it in an envelope. Put it in a different hole in the ground, okay? You've got your general expenses hole. You've got your saving hole. You've got your college fund hole. You've got your engagement ring hole. You've got your new car hole. And you've got the giving it away hole. Set it aside. But how much, Paul? How much? In keeping with your income, Is that a percentage? Yes. What percentage? What's the right number? In keeping with your income. To whatever extent one has prospered. Set aside that amount of money. Come on, Paul. Give me a number. Make it easier on me. What's the law? What's the minimum? Help me out here, Paul. I don't want to go crazy. What's the maximum? No answer. How grateful are you? How broken hearted are you? How much do you care about the plight of those Christians in Jerusalem? So set aside a sum of money based upon how grateful you are and how broken you are for the needs of others that resonate with you. It's in accordance to your income. Generosity is not a standard amount. It doesn't have to be the same for you and for you and for you and for you. Whatever the amount is, set it aside. And then he goes on, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Save it up so no collections will be made. When I get there, no pressure. You've already been planning this gift. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no manipulation. There's no hard sell. There's no tearful song. There's no tragic pictures. And you're not going to give leftovers because you've been saving it up all along because you have a plan. And nobody's going to be in church looking around to see what everybody else is doing, feeling awkward, making a show of kind of digging for the wallet. Honey, did did you forget the checkbook again? You know, that kind of awkwardness. It's not my fault. No collection, no ceremony, no ritual. You're going to have the collection made before I get there. Your relationship here is with the Spirit of God and not the act at a religious event. Your spirituality is to be guided by the Spirit day by day. Learn to listen. Learn to obey. The same way that we would say everything else is supposed to happen. Learn to listen to the Spirit. Stop looking for a have to and start listening to what is God calling me to So you have a premeditated, calculated, designated approach to giving because that's what generous people do. They don't have to be asked. They don't have to be cajoled. Verse 3, then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve. Okay, I'm not taking it. You decide how you wanted to get there. I'm not going to steal your thunder. This is not about me. I'm not on commission. And send them with your gift off to Jerusalem. You got a plan. How much? How often? Then give it to what you are grateful for and what breaks your heart. Start with a plan. Remember, you already have one. You might as well make it a good one and not an accidental one. You're going to take what is normally at the bottom and you're going to put it at the top. First things first. You're going to pick a percentage. You're going to decide where to give it. Then the fun part, what am I grateful for? What breaks my heart? That's what generosity is. The premeditated, calculated, designated, emancipation of personal financial assets. And here's the easy way to look at this plan. Put it in your head. Give, save, live. Give first, save second, consume the rest. Give first. Save second, live on the rest. And when you do, everything changes. People who have ordered their finances around giving, generous people, this is great news for you, generous people have a much easier time saying no to the things that undermine their own financial future. We're our own worst enemies most of the time, right? So once you get in this habit, you're going to learn to be able to say no to the things that are going to undermine your financial future because you are changing the pattern of your mind. You're no longer thinking and acting and living like consumers. You live this way, the weird way. You give and save, and you live and you have peace. And then you give and you save, and you live, and you have peace. People can look at this cycle, and they can kind of squish up their eyebrows at you and say, hold on. What you're saying is that you give before you have finished buying everything for yourself? You give before you consume? How does that work? What if you run out? Now, now what you're saying is before you save, before all of that, before you pay any of the bills and you buy anything that you want to buy, oh man, that makes no sense. That's not the way I do it at all. I think you and your money thing, you're weird. Of course, you're weird. Because normal is nuts-so. Way better to be weird than nuts-so. Put the nuts-so cycle back up, please. In this one, this is where you're living like an owner. You live like a consumer. Back to the weird cycle. This is where you're living as if none of it is really yours. Because none of it is really yours anyways. Because you're going to leave it all behind at the end. Just because it comes to you doesn't mean it's for you. Doesn't mean it belongs to you. Every once in a while you should have fun saying something like, let's give something away. Generosity is your off-ramp from the nutso cycle and we don't want to just leave you trying to figure this out all by yourselves and say best of luck no what we want you to do is not just survive we want you to thrive and that's why we're going to offer a course called I was broke now I'm not it's not for people who are just on the edge of bankruptcy it's a way to put the things back in order and this course that we're going to offer is going to be facilitated by someone other than me A well-known, well-respected, chartered accountant, Jim Wilson. He's going to lead us through this financial management kind of stuff. And In this class, we want you to get some practical, hands-on, life-changing assistance to get things straightened out, to get the financial worry out of your life. We want to help you get weird. That class, we're going to have an introductory meeting on Thursday, November 23rd, from 7 to 8.30, right here at the church And the first session is to give you the lay on land to explain what's going to happen, how it's going to help you, how we're going to break this thing down, and to let you speak into the best delivery timetable for you. We don't want you running into the highest spending time of the year only to look back on deeper regret and deeper debt in January. We love you. And we want the very best for you. You don't have to do this alone. Please come. Come. I was broke, now I'm not. Invite someone to come with you. This is not just for people who attend into one. This will be real life stuff, not christian stuff. This will be how to fix things up. And sure, we have a God perspective because that's why we're weird, right? But it's not about, it's all Jesus and just give us your money. That's not the plan. We want to open it up to a service to our community. So if you can invite someone to come, you can come It doesn't mean that you have to be in devastation to come. It's to to get things on the right path. When you order your life around generosity, it changes everything. I never thought that it really would. I never thought that I would live being able to give stuff away. But I I have been able to. I've learned how to do it. And, And really started with the just because it comes to you doesn't mean that it's for you. I want you to live like that. I want you to at least try to live like that. You're going to give money away for the rest of your life, but I want you to learn how to live a generous life. And I know it sounds weird, but you pick your poison. Choose the nutso cycle if you want. Just remember, it always leads to discontentment. It always leads to wanting more, and it always leads to worry. It's your choice. Honestly, you're going to fit in better if you just live the nutso way. Most people do it. They don't even know they're doing it or you can choose to be weird. Weird is better. Happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. Even if this is all just about you and you don't care a lick about Jesus, even if it's all about you and you're just a selfish person, you will be happier if you order your life around giving rather than receiving. Go home and try writing this kind of stuff down. If I were going to try and live like this, what would my plan look like? What would I do? How much will I give? What percentage would I like to start with? What percentage would I like to start with giving it away first? What would it look for, for me to give, save, live, rather than live, save, give? What would it do? How would it change me? How often will I give? Where will I give? What could you do? Even today, what baby step could you take that might prompt you towards generous living? You won't regret it because it will trickle down into every other area of your life and your finances and it will impact you for the good all the way through. I dare you. Try it. Could it be worse than where you are right now? I dare you to trust God. Kind Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the provision that you bring into our lives. Thanks for the blessing. Thank you, God, that at the heart of our belief system is not take, it's not conquer, it's not rule, it's not hands closed, it's hands wide open. For God so loved the world that he gave something. And from there we begin our lives. And as we begin to consider this time where we celebrate the coming of your son, we celebrate and reconsider what it is to be giving. Generous people. Father, please take us beyond giving. Take us to the place of generous. Living. Bless these, your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power, together with the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, How long and high and deep is the love of Christ? And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Thanks for being here today. It's better when you're here, it's better when we're together. And I'm convinced that the more we connect, the better it does get. As you go, I want to remind you that we are sending you out. And as you go, remember that we are Christ-centered. We are Spirit-empowered. And we are mission-focused. And that mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time.